0: Last Sunday night at Salt Church, we had another excellent night of carols. It was a great night to be together as a church family. We sang lots of great Christmas carols together, including this one, O oh, Little Town of Bethlehem. O oh, Little Town of Bethlehem, how still we see you lie. Above your deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by, And in your dark streets shine in this everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met. Bethlehem, the city of David, the location of God's forces, the place where Jesus was born, the birthplace of Christmas itself, where everlasting light shines into dark streets at the intersection of all our hopes and fears. But this year, Bethlehem is forgoing Christmas. Christmas has been cancelled in Bethlehem fear is this once sleepy town as darkness now covers the hope of its everlasting life. But not just darkness that comes, hope in Bethlehem, it's also rubble. This is a picture of the Nativity scene inside the Bethlehem Evangelical Lutheran Church. The figure symbolizing the baby Jesus lying within the rubble that's taking place in Gaza. The news headline reads There Will Be No Christmas in Bethlehem of in Jesus' birthplace have decided to pull our celebrations because of the Israel Hamas war. No festive lights, no customary Christmas tree towering over Major streets. Typically, at this time of year, Bethlehem draws thousands and thousands of visitors from around the world. It is a major block for a tourism-dependent economy, incurring losses of up to $2.5 million per day. Major airlines have now cancelled flights into Israel. And ironically, the town where there was no room for the big in now there's over 70 hunters in heaven that have had to shut their doors in the door of staff. The mayor of Heaven said this, "'Joyous revelry is untenable at the time of immense suffering "'of Palestinians in Gaza. house. "'The economy is crashing, "'but if we compare it with what's happening to our people in Gaza, "'it's nothing.' The town once soaked with everlasting light, hope now given way to fear. Fear about the world. Fear about suffering. Fear about praying. Fear about employment. Fear about economy. Fear about the future. <laughs> that's my fault, cancelled Christmas. Fear colliding with hope and its very interception. And yet despite all of the obscuring rubble, which now overshadows and buries hope, friends, it's now Christmas Eve, Welcome to Salt Church. Merry Christmas. We are in our Christmas teaching series on Luke chapters 1 and 2 called Don't Believe the hype And if you're visiting or you're just joining us, Luke writes his gospel account of the life of Jesus, an orderly, carefully, well-examined account, so that you may have certainty concerning these things, these things about Jesus. Luke writes his account so that we can be certain he writes so that we don't have to guess. And so far, Luke's message about Jesus has been this those who should don't, and those who shouldn't do. Zachariah, a priest of Israel, should have believed what the angel told him, but he didn't. While Mary, an unmarried virgin from nowhere, should not have received God's grace and mercy to her, but she did. Those who should don't, and those who shouldn't do. Last week, if you were with us, we saw the birth of John the Baptist, born to a barren couple in their old age. But today, it's Christmas. Well, you know what I mean. And the Virgin's pregnancy is now close to full term. Mary is expecting a baby at any minute, but she makes a sudden and unexpected trip to Bethlehem. You see, it was a fearful time then to not be alive. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Crnarius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered each to his own town. The census required an in-person registration. No postal applications here, friends. No online forms to fill in. Filling in government paperwork can be annoying at the best of times, difficult and dreaded, though not exactly fear-inducing. But have, imagine having to travel all the way back home just to do it. Imagine taking your heavily pregnant fiancé back to your hometown just to fill in a form. I'd have to cross the border to do it. All the way back to Sydney to be officially counted. Not that I have a heavily pregnant fiancé you should be aware of. <laughs> Friends by weeks and by days, and not by hours, Mary and Joseph had to travel from Nazareth in Galilee, which is in the north of Israel, to Bethlehem in Judea, which is in the south. I mean, Mary possibly could have flown with Virgin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after all, Tesla would the lost the bags and cancel canceled the flights. There's lots of things that governments do for us, and apart from paying taxes, they don't really ask for us in return. But here's the thing, friends. This wasn't their government. At a time of great political anxiety, a time of deep unrest and global instability, the decree was issued by Caesar Augustus, and when all the world should be registered was Roman. Israel was under foreign occupation. Israel held captive. By the Roman Empire. But it's not just politics that makes this whole event rather unsettling, there's social anxiety, too, isn't there? Especially in a highly conservative Jewish culture. Joseph's now taking a pregnant girl back home, back to his hometown, and back to his family. But Mary is a girl to whom neither Joseph is married to nor is he the father of the child. Standing in a family queue to be counted by the Romans, the people of Judea are talking about this couple. There is such ostracising going on here. Look there, verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. The word betrothed means they're engaged to be married. And with child means she's ready to pop at any minute. Mary and Joseph are engaged to be married, but they've already started a family. Of course, things are less conventional nowadays, aren't they? Co-parenting doesn't necessarily mean co-operative. Marriage is increasingly becoming optional, and only if you can afford it. But that's not how traditional families work not the social and cultural expectations here anyway? Not how things are done, done God's way. Pregnancy before marriage was strictly taboo, and technically, Joseph has grounds for immediate divorce with his fiancé. Can you imagine what they're saying about Standing in the queue. Imagine if they knew who the real father was. Imagine if they knew the whole story. Social anxiety and political unrest are the extent of the problems here in Bethlehem. There are economic problems here too. It was a fearful time to be born, a fearful time to celebrate Christmas. Verse seven, no room for them in the inn could be because of social stigma, now attached to this unmarriedly expecting couple. Mary and Joseph treated as social outcasts as aliens and strangers because of their choices in their hometown. But it could also be for financially this trip was ordered, not funded by one, and clearly Joseph didn't look ahead. No what mm-hmm. if, no asking deals, <coughs> no booking.com. There weren't the any rooms that could be left for him, much less an upgrade to a delivery suite. And so with no room service available, Mary's going to be able to deliver this form in for a bar. Through great political, social, and financial uncertainty, in every idea for Heidi and Ephraim. Luke even captures an economic force in verse 6 in this And while I was in time a new birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, by making the manger because there was no place for him the live. And for a guy like Luke who's a big on details, and for all the organising and festivities that we play at Christmas time, Luke says it simply like this. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in some of the plants, the night. Christmas. That might be the extent of Luke's Christmas prayer, but let me tell you, friends, it's not the extent of contextualized fear in this passage. Because already in Luke's Gospel and only two chapters in, we've already heard two other fear inducing encounters when the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah announcing the birth of. John the Baptist, Zechariah was frightened into silence. Chapter 1 verse 11. There appeared to him that Zechariah, an angel of the Lord, was standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Despite Gabriel's reassurances, don't be afraid. Zechariah did sleep for nine months after this. Andrew Gabriel also appeared to Mary announcing her pregnancy with Jesus. And again, despite reassurances by the angel, don't be afraid, Mary was also greatly troubled by this reading. Whenever angels turn up anywhere in the Bible, lives are dramatically and permanently changed forever. And while angels come with clear warning labels, people still tend to freak out anyway. Which is what is what's happening now when angels go visiting shepherds. do well, you see in the universe, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the nature of the Lord appeared to them; and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. If you're not sure, shepherds are in the business of minding sheep, and these shepherds were out minding their own business. In the sleepy hours of the night watch they're still counting sheep but not sleeping, these shepherds, watching silent stars go by when an angel of the Lord appears to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them all and they were all filled with great fear. But this isn't the kind of fear, it's an uneasy kind of feeling. It's not an apprehension, not a disturbed, not a bewildered feeling of fear. It's not like someone's speaking up by you and surprising you, or feeling startled because you saw a spider in your car. This is a great fear. It's in the vicinity of feeling terrified, petrified, and frantic. It's like your life is now in imminent danger. It's like you're receiving a surprise visit from a celestial being. Not a fear that something might happen to you, but a fear that something is now happening to you. These car laid back, almost toe shepherds, are freaking out. Great fear is literally translated into great uh, into great fear, literally translates into mega fear. But this time, angelic reassurances the to shepherds are a little bit more elaborate and don't be. Although classically that too, there is ten. Angel said that we fear not. For the whole, I bring good news of great joy for before all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. In a culture of fear and trouble and anxiety, finally now there is some good news. And it's good news from God. And it's good news for everyone. An angel of the Lord the shepherds in the city of David which is Bethlehem the saviour has been born for you born in the place of God's promises to David this newborn saviour is God's promised king and he's now come to rescue you and this is good news for all people whenever great news gets announced to anyone who is in great trouble great fear gives way to great joy. And great fear collapses into greater joy. Because of this mega announcement, mega fear turns to mega joy. And while the shepherds are still sheepish and a little bit sleepish, the angels now kick off a concert with their verse 13. Suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he It's a heavenly choir of angels, and they are all singing that Hallelujah chorus. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, sit there, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Those who should doubt, those who should do. And all this takes Darkness. This divine heavenly light shed is for a private audience of Israel's shepherds out of the packets, out of the back box of nowhere, a town, in Bethlehem. The angelic announcement is one of peace. And it's not peace that simply wraps and war threatens, but peace that brings wholeness. Peace that brings fullness. Peace that brings full restoration. Salvation is for the Savior in our Lord in Heaven. God speaks peace to shepherds. He speaks peace to all people. And now, today, God speaks peace to us. Peace in the context of political unrest. Peace in the context of global instability. Peace in the context of social anxiety. Peace in the context of shame stories. Peace in the context of family conflicts. Peace in the context of economic uncertainty. Peace in the context of fear. When our great fears, people are in God's peace. We have great joy. And that's the great news for everyone. That's the great news of great joy. God comes to save us from our fears. That we might have peace and joy. You can't cancel Christmas because of fear. Christmas is all about being rescued from fear. Christmas is God's answer to all of our fears. The Savior has been born to you. Joyous reverie is untenable at a time of immense suffering, says the Mayor of Bethlehem. But, friends, Christmas is the joyous celebration that immense suffering is now untenable, because our salvation is in Jesus the Lord. Fear gives way to prosper joy at the intersection of God's peace for us. So let me ask you this: Let me ask you this: If a choir of heavenly angels appeared to you and said, "We bring you good news that's for everyone," You can trade in all your worldly fears for heavenly joy. God's promised Savior now brings peace. Oh, and by the way, here's where you find it. Verse 12, a baby trapped in the swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. When the angels departed from heaven, leaving you staring to this staring again at your sheep. What is it that you would do? Let me tell you what. Go and check it out and live there. And if what you found there was anything like the angels have told you at all, then you go and tell everyone else about it as well. Verse 15. when the angels went from heaven into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, shepherds are out of there. They make haste to Bethlehem, which is the Bible's way Bible of saying they move very quickly. And it's just as they were told in the book. It's just as the angels told them. They saw the sign of God's salvation, Mary and Joseph, and the baby, lying in a manger. And when they saw it for themselves, they went and told everybody else about it. And so now their response, the shepherds, is just like that of the angels in Genesis 21. The shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. see, the shepherds have now moved from fear to joy. And that's what joy is. Joy is praising and glorifying God for all that he has done for us. And that's what God's offer is to us at Christmas. God's offer of salvation is always an exchange. The baby born in Bethlehem at Christmas takes our fears and exchanges them for God's heavenly joy. God's gift takes our fear and gives us peace. The Saviour comes to make us whole, only Jesus Brings us restoration and fullness. There will always be fear in the world. There will always be anxiety in your world, too. Like rubble in a nativity scene, fear can crush our hopes, fear can obscure our faith, fear can rob us of our God giving joy. But you cannot follow Christmas because of fear. Christmas is God's answer to all of our fears. Christmas is God's offer of salvation and peace. And Jesus comes to save us, he exchanges our fear for his joy and his peace. And that's what Christmas is about. Be We don't allow ourselves to show fear. We don't allow ourselves for others to hear what it is that we're fearful of. And yet they are still present, still in us, still surrounding us. We want to thank you that at Christmas you've come with your Son Lord Jesus to offer an exchange to bring an end to all of fear. And we want to thank you that Christmas is your answer to immense suffering. That your answer, it is your answer to our fears. That the Saviour has been born to us. And we want to thank you that in the Lord Jesus, you bring an end to to suffering. You bring an end to its reign and rule over us. So whatever fear it is that we're experiencing this morning, whatever anxiety moves us, that a bit of hesitancy feeling about today or tomorrow, or even the year ahead. We pray that we would receive your joy in exchange for our fear, so that we might have peace. Not just the absence of will, but restoration, fills, holes, For so these things are given to us. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone.